Today we come back uh, to another book in the wisdom section of Scripture. Uh, we have uh, made our way through uh, several of the sections of the Scripture as we seek to cover the entire Bible in 2012. Uh, many of you are reading it um, in a one-year plan or a 90-day plan, or uh, just some of you are just getting started and, and uh, reading regularly for the first time, and I encourage and applaud all of that. And uh, we've uh, looked at wisdom scripture for the last three weeks and a couple of weeks in the Proverbs, which are uh, simple and straightforward and, and some of the most readily understandable scriptures there are. We looked at one of the wisdom Psalms and, uh, and what was, uh, was there to speak to us uh, about uh, looking at other people's spiritual lives and, instead of focusing on our own. And uh, last week we talked about parenting and uh, through the wisdom of Proverbs. And today we're going to, uh, to look in one of the more unusual books uh, in the Old Testament and one that uh, I've preached very few sermons on in 25 years of preaching, the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom that asks this question, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point of life? What, why are we here? What does it matter? It, the writer directly asks that question. All the things we do, all the stuff we have, all the things that we see going on, what's the point of it? What does it really matter? Now Solomon is the, the writer of this, of this book. The, the King David's son who was the, the king of, of uh, Israel and the one who had asked the Lord for great wisdom and God gave it to him. And because of that, Solomon seemed to have had it all. And yet, he looked back on his life, and he was looking at all the things that he'd experienced and done, and he was looking for something new, he said, under the sun. Is there anything new? Is there anything that really matters, he said, under the sun? He pursued everything. And if you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, you can, you can uh, see the different things that he talks about in his life that he pursued. The intellectual knowledge, and uh, there was nobody smarter than Solomon. Wealth, in his day, in his age, and maybe even compared to today, there's nobody who's been richer than Solomon. Power, the, ki the kingdom of Israel was at its greatest point, defeated the most enemies, and had the most prosperity and peaceful reign of anyone under Solomon. So he had great power, he was an, a great ruler. Pleasure, he had 700 wives, 300 concubines, a thousand women at his beck and call. One thousand women, his beck and call. It's in the Bible. You can look at it. It's right there. I'm not making it up. His conclusion after all of that, the power, the pleasure, the, the, the intellectual knowledge, all the wealth, his conclusion was this. There's nothing new under the sun. And I'm just chasing the wind. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 17, Solomon said this, So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. There's a couple of ideas um, that... 
come out of reading the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, a, a wiser man than, than me, Chuck Swindoll, helped me see a couple of these things. He kind of articulated it this way. If there's nothing but nothing under the sun, then our source of hope must be beyond the sun. If there's nothing new under the sun, nothing new on this planet Earth and this life that we live, then there must be a source of hope beyond this. Now, I recognize real clearly this morning that those of us gathered in this place, I'm not talking to a bunch of atheists here today. There might be somebody who's on the fence. You might be borderline agnostic or whatever, but, but I just recognize that, that you know, 99% of us here this morning, we would be, we would be folks that say, I, you know, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, I believe in Jesus, all the things that we kind of value but I would say that I am probably talking to plenty of folks here today who get our eyes fixed so firmly on the here and the now and the day-to-day -day pursuits that we often lose sight of what's eternal. Pretty sure that's probably the case. I know it gets that way for me. The second idea that comes out of reading the book of Ecclesiastes is this. If, if a man who had everything visible, like Solomon, everything that you could visibly identify as being of value or should bring fulfillment and pleasure and meaning, if a man had everything visible and that man investigated it, researched it, full out pursued it and lived it, and he couldn't get no satisfaction... then maybe what we're all looking for is invisible. Hey, you read through Ecclesiastes yourself. It's not a boring read. It's an interesting read. I would just encourage you, don't read it on a rainy day when you're already feeling pretty down and discouraged and depressed. Uh, read it uh, out in the sunshine somewhere when you're, uh, when you're reading through Ecclesiastes. Now, with that as background, and that is our context today, I want to take you near the end of the book of Ecclesiastes and focus in on some specific wisdom that the teacher Solomon gives us, and it's primarily about being young and being old. I want us to hear that today. In uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, beginning at verse 7, chapter 11, beginning at verse 7, he says this, Light is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. When people live to be very old, let them remember and rejoice in every day of life. But let them also remember there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God. For everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. But remember that youth, with a whole life before you, is meaningless. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor Him in your youth before you grow old and say, Life is not pleasant anymore. Remember Him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dimmed to your old eyes. And rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, 
start to tremble. And before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. And remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants. Stop grinding. It's okay to laugh. He is using humor here. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows. I'm not really sure exactly what that means. Unless with all those wives and concubines, he felt like they were really nosy. Do you think that's what that is? And before your eyes, see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. And now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Anybody know what a caperberry is? I'm not, I'm not even, I'm going to skip, I'm going to move on. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God. Who gave it? His wisdom here tells us to, uh, to remember three things, or at least I've summed it up into, into three truths today that young and old alike here today should remember. The first one is this. Time is moving on. He lets us know that. You better enjoy every minute, he says, that you've got. Take it all in now. You need to rejoice every day. The sun shines into your eyes every day that you wake up. Enjoy every minute of it. Take it all again in. Rejoice in every day. And see if you can't just live young, he seems to be saying. You know, it is good to be young. It's good to be young. And I'm not even going to define what being young is here today, but if you consider yourself young, congratulations. And the, and the writer of wisdom says, do everything you want to do. Go for it. That's, that's his advice. Live it. Go for it. Do it. Just do everything you want to do. But while you're doing that, remember this. You're going to give an account to God for everything you do. So do everything you want to do. But remember this. You're going to give an account for everything. You do. He says, do it now. Do it now because uh, you're going to get old. Let me, just, let me just set everybody straight here this morning. Just give you a couple of facts. Unless Jesus comes back sooner than, than any of us know, everybody here is going to get old. And you are going to die. Okay? Are you, is that a surprise to anybody? You're going to get old. Cody, you're going to get old someday, man. You may not have any hair to bleach someday. <laughs> you're going to get old. You're going to, and you know, you're going to die. Is, where's, uh, where's John? Is, you've seen a, a lot of people die, don't they? Yeah, we put them in boxes, don't we? Very nice ones. Very nice ones. John can help you with that if... Anything happens to you uh, soon. Um, 
I saw a few things about getting old, and I, I know I'm, I'm starting to identify with more and more of these. You know you're getting old when you actually look forward to a dull evening at home. <laughs> I, mean, there, I mean, when Julie and I just, when we get this, I mean, it's just the two of us, except it never is. There's two dogs, and I love dogs, but I've reached very close to the end of wanting to care for the animals on a daily basis. So if you want to talk to me about uh, a 12-year-old rat terrier that has a lot of issues or a 70-pound English bulldog that has more than I can even begin to list. You know you're getting old when your mind makes commitments your body cannot keep. That's one of the reasons I quit playing competitive basketball. You know you're getting old when everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. You know you're getting old when you sink your teeth into a big juicy steak and they stay there. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know you're getting old when you dim the lights for economic reasons, not romantic ones. Mm -hmm. You know you're getting old when you've owned clothes for so long they've come back into style twice. <laughs> I will not name names. You know you're getting old when you sing along to elevator music. Sad day. And uh, finally, um, you know you're getting old when you quit trying to hold your stomach in no matter who walks in the room. <laughs> I haven't quite reached that stage yet. I'm, especially in pictures, I still try to get going. A few years ago, 2007, the, the oldest man supposedly alive at that time was a, a, a man in Japan named Tomoji Tanabe. And he credited his long life to no smoking, uh, no alcohol, and that he drank a glass of milk every day. And it, it, it reminded me uh, that you really shouldn't smoke because when uh, I pastored in a small town called Portland, Tennessee, and we had the annual Strawberry Festival parade, uh, the Grand Marshal the last year we were there was, uh, was Mr. Gray, who was 103 years old. And, uh, and he didn't make it to the next Strawberry Festival because smoking finally got him. And uh, so, I, I don't know, I don't even know why I threw that in there, but some of the things we worry about maybe aren't quite as serious. We have a, a skewed view age, uh, of age in our society, I think. Um, instead of instead of looking at it, getting old is kind of the natural course of life. Um, we've kind of labeled it really almost as a disease. Like getting old is some sort of disease. Like there's something wrong with you if you age. And, and of course what we've done with that disease in our, in our world is we've turned it into a big business. It's a big business, isn't it? Some of you are buying and using products that are what? Anti-aging, okay? I'm not, I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying this, this is kind of the way it is. We've turned it into a big business and it's got, there's all kinds of promises and procedures and products out there, none of which can hold off the inevitable fact that you're gonna get old and you're gonna die. 
we've got a, a skewed view of it in, in, in our society. And, and I, think, I think that kind of moves over a lot of times even into, even into the church world. And our, our view of, of aging. Uh, Billy Graham, the great evangelist and stalwart figure in, in, our, in our world for many decades now, he wrote a book not too long ago called Nearing Home, uh, talking about nearing home, final home. And he used an illustration in there that re reminded me of a traumatic event in my life, and that was in 1985 when, when Coke changed its traditional formula. Do you remember that? And they came out with new Coke. And there was, there was just this frantic reaction to it. I, for one, was not a fan of the new Coke. And so when they, when they, when they recognized that and they, they quickly on, put back on the market Coca-Cola Classic, but you couldn't always find Coca-Cola Classic, and when you, when you did find it in a store, it was like gold all of a sudden, you know, just, just that. Until they realized that, hey, this is not working at all, and they abandoned the new Coke and went back to what Coke was always supposed to be, which was what? The real thing. Uh, Billy Graham asked the question, what does is, what is that uh, cultural story have to do with growing old? And he said this, old is authentic. Old is genuine. Old is valuable. And some would even say it's beautiful. As we get older, we have a hard time keeping up with a lot of things that we used to do. Hard time keeping up with the younger generation. But he reminds us that as, as long as we're aging and as long as we're alive and still breathing, that we are called to lead the way. So as you think about growing old, let me ask you this. Are you being a good example of what it's like to get older? And we've all made a lot of mistakes. We'd all, there's things that we'd like to do to turn back the clock and change things if we, if we could, correct some things. If we're thinking straight, we know that's not possible. But as we think about the things we've gone through in our lives, and by the grace of God, what He's helped us to make it through, what He's helped us to accomplish, we should be making a significant impact and having a great influence on those coming behind us. And so I would challenge all of us, and I'm including myself in this. I've, I've got an AARP card already. We, we not only need to be examples of how to live and walk with the Lord, but we need to be the cheerleaders and the encouragers and the champions of the generation behind us. I believe it will do no good for us to stir and to stew and say, why can't they be like us? Why can't they do everything like us? Why can't they like the things we like and listen to the things we listen to and watch the things that we watched? It will do no good for us to do that. What will be good is for them to see in us the Spirit of Christ, the graciousness, humility, the encouragement, the support, the strength, that they all need. And that's what, that's what we need to be. What, what are we leaving behind? 
What are we calling them to? When we say, follow me, where are we taking them? When they say, you ought to be like me, what does that look like? You ought to be like me? Negative, complaining, whining, wishing I had this, wishing I had that, or looking forward to the next day and rejoicing in, in the Lord and what He's done for us. And there's a, there's a line that I heard about six years ago that has stayed with me. I heard it first. I don't know if it's original with him, but I heard it from a guy named Reggie Joyner. And he said this, I will not sacrifice the next generation on the altar of my preferences. I will not sacrifice the next generation on the altar of my preferences. Instead, we should be saying, here is the way. Walk in it. Follow me as I follow the Lord. Paul said it this way, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what we ought to be leading and doing as we age. Here's the second thing. God has designed us to be empty without Him. As we live this life where time keeps moving on and keeps marching on and there's some inevitable things about it, God has designed us to be empty without Him. The teacher kept saying over and over here, remember your Creator. Remember your Creator. That's the big deal. That's the conclusion. And at the end of the book, after all that he's gone through and all he's experienced and all the chasing of the wind, he said, here's where the meaning lies. Nothing has meaning unless you remember Him. Augustine said it this way in a quote that's been known for centuries. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Thee. C.S. Lewis, who I could just have a quote fest with on, on a lot of these things, said this. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most profitable explanation is that we were made for another world. He also said this, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. You catch that? And he said this, So much of our hopeless attempt without God, from that has come nearly all that we call human history. Money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery, the long, terrible story of man. Trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. I don't know exactly how Solomon's life ended. You, you can get some clues. Um, it seems that he's definitely writing this, this book near the end of his life. You can get some clues as you go back and read in, in, uh, in Samuel and in Kings and Chronicles, those history books. You can go back and see some of the things stated about Solomon's life. And we're not wrapped up with a clean, neat ending of just how his life ended in terms of where his heart was. I do know this, that God in his lifetime gave him his desire for wisdom. That's what Solomon asked for. God gave it to him. And from that wisdom, he was able to gain all kinds of power and wealth and experience a lot of pleasure. I also know from reading Solomon's story that he ignored God's warning to him, not to take foreign wives. 
for himself. Not about race. It was about the fact that they worshipped other gods. And God warned him, if you do that, they'll lead your heart away from me and to those other gods. And the history recorded in here says that happened. And I, I, I hope that this somewhat strange book of Ecclesiastes, that somehow, I hope that it was at a point in Solomon's life where he came to a recognition and a repentance, where he turned away from those things and turned back to God and reminds us that there's hope for any of us. And that hope leads us somewhere beyond the here and now. And the last truth that Solomon gives us here, young and old to remember is this, today, now is the time to prepare for eternity. Now's the time. And in, in, we read it. In chapter 11, verse 9, he says, Remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. In chapter 12, verse 7, he says, The dust will return to the earth, and the Spirit will return to the God who gave it. And in his, his conclusion of the whole book, he says this, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. He says, remember your Creator and don't wait until you're old to do it. Do it now. Do it today. Don't wait. Don't wait. Today's the day to be sure your heart, your spirit is ready for eternity. I think I'm going to go ahead and ask the, the band, the worship team to, to come on up. And um, while they're coming, uh, if you'll just stay with me for a couple more minutes, um, I want to remind us about something that's true that I strongly believe. Today, those of us gathered here, we have something that Solomon and the Old Testament characters that we read about and we've heard all kinds of stories about, good and bad, we have something that they did not. Actually, it's really not something. It's someone that they did not. When you read the Old Testament and you look at what's going on in the people's lives and the stories, the things that happened, I just want to remind you this. They were not Christians. Are you, does that surprise anybody? Okay. They, they were not followers of Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. And Jesus had not come as man. They, had, they did not see that. They did not hear his words. They did not experience the life transformation that comes only from knowing him. They didn't know what it was like to have the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit. They experienced the, the anointings at time of the Holy Spirit for different moments and different occasions. They didn't know what it was like to have him present in their spirit, in their heart. And so in light of that, I would say that we can connect the dots from Ecclesiastes to the New Testament. And I would say to you, don't just pursue happiness. Even though that's a good old American thing. Don't just pursue happiness. Pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. I want to take you to some of his words real quick in John's Gospel. 
I'm not starting another sermon. Don't get nervous. But in John's Gospel, chapter 6, just hear this word from Jesus in John 6, verse 35. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. If you look in all these other places, which Solomon did to the, to the extreme and came to the conclusion that it was all nothing. If you look in every direction you want to look today, you're not going to find what you're looking for. Only in Jesus can the spirit that God made and put in you be satisfied. And Jesus said this later in that chapter, John 6, verse 63. He said this, The Spirit, capital S, alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. I recognize today that uh, life uh, can be crazy and it can be very tough. In fact, a lot of times life is just a struggle. You pursue this, you pursue that, you hope for this, you wish for that, you pray for that, but you experience all kinds of barriers and frustrations and tough things. You have moments and days that are very, very good, and then the next day something happens and it all kind of crashes down. I recognize that life can be very crazy, very tough. And I would just say to you today, don't let your happiness depend on something you can lose. And in addition to the fact that you're going to get old and that you're going to die, let me tell you something. You, none of the stuff you have are you taking with you. None, none of the stuff that we're chasing after is going to last. Don't Make your happiness depend on something you could lose. And I know one thing, that through all the circumstances that I've had in life, that I've never lost, and that's the grace of God and the presence of Jesus in my life. Think about that today. Years ago... Um, in the, in the late 80s, there was a, a singer named Steve Green that was pretty prominent in Christian circles. and He had this little introduction to another song that, that had these words in it. He said, only Jesus, only He brings redemption full and free. And there's a yearning in all our lives that only Jesus satisfied listen today if you're going through a struggle if you if you're experiencing hurt and pain of any kind we're going to take a few minutes here to to rest in the lord altars are open if you want to come and pray if you want to bring your prayer card and place it here in faith that god can meet any need that you have according to his will lord we thank you today For your word we thank you for meaning for life that we can find in you and Lord I pray that in my life there would be evidence that I've found what we're all looking for 
And I pray in the life of our church that there would be strong evidence that we have found something and rather someone who gives true life and gives meaning to it all and gives us hope for eternity as well as for today. I pray that those that are discouraged today and feel like they're chasing the wind would find new hope and strength in you. I pray this in Jesus' name.